0: Hey, boss lady, how are you juggling it all these days? I'm Christy Atwater. And I'm Andrea Gigline, and our guest today has some answers on that front. Dr. Christina Ford is a practicing psychiatrist, a mother with two young children at home, and a chair of the board of an LA-based nonprofit focused on food justice and emotional health. I have got to say,
1: the conversation at the Gigline house has been in 2020, Boy, did we dodge a bullet when it comes to this pandemic because we don't have little children at home. And Christy, I know you weren't that lucky.
0: No, I was not. Um, Luckily, my husband had uh, retired right at the pandemic, but he became the third grade homeschool teacher, and that has been a challenge to have us all home. Well, let's meet our guest. Dr. Ford, welcome. Welcome. Hi, thank you so much. Thanks for having me.
1: Thank you. And Dr. Ford, do you mind if we call you Christina? Not at all. We got it in there. My parents will be proud. Uh, I love it. (laughs) And believe me, I do understand that. I do understand that. You know, all kidding aside, you wear lots of different hats. You're a mom, a psychiatrist, a community advocate. We'll break that all down in this conversation. But first, just give me a hint. How do you do it all? (laughs) <laughs> uh
2: i feel like like that is a both a short answer and a long answer some days are certainly easier than others mm-hmm. and yep. some days i say i ask myself the same question <laughs> how mm-hmm. do i just i just you know it, it's a constant juggle and a constant i think reshuffling of boundaries and of and availability and Mm -hmm. just uh, Mm -hmm. knowing that you can't be everywhere at the same time.
0: Well, and maybe a better question is why do you do it all? (laughs) (laughs)
2: Um, Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one too. Uh, Especially (laughs) now, right? When we're all, when we're all under Mm -hmm. such stress and strain. Um, I mean, really the answer is I can't imagine not. Um, I, all the facets of my life and my career that I participate in are all deeply important to me. Uh, it's exceedingly important for me to be an active mother at home with my children as much as possible for all the good and the bad and everything in between. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, very important for me to be there for my patients. And I was certainly raised with an ethos that you do whatever heart you can to make the world a better place. And so I it's very important to me to also give back in whatever ways I can.
1: You know, that's incredible because, you know, you said that you were raised and and I know that from an early age you wanted to be a doctor. What influenced that?
2: I had, I think, very kind of outside the box, forward thinking parents. Um, <laughs> I both, both of them, uh, both my both of my parents really. Instilled in me the idea that I really could be anything I wanted to be. Um, they I, they had some high aspirations. I can't lie. Mm-hmm. Sure, <laughs> mm-hmm. sure, 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 sure. Um, you know, and and I think especially for my my mom, I I don't know that she would have. You know, she was of that generation that didn't necessarily label themselves a feminist, but they were very woman oriented. Sure. Um, And so for her, I think it was, well, I know it was also very important that her daughter know that she could be anything she wanted to be independently of other people in her life.
0: Okay. Christina, I love that. Now, you started out, though, studying to become a surgeon. Can you tell me what changed your mind? (laughs) Um, Yeah, a lot of things. Uh, Yeah, so I, I...
2: really went to medical school I I had no examples uh, you know in front of me Mm -hmm. in in my family certainly Ah. so I I really didn't know much about what it truly meant to be a physician I had a wonderful family doctor who was my mom's uh, physician my pediatrician and delivered me and so she was definitely a hero but I don't really I didn't really have a sense of the Mm -hmm. day-to-day and so I went into medical school really thinking of it as 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 just training in I'm, a specific skill and for me that was going to be surgery. And you know, you're young when you make the decision, right? <laughs> you know, but both both of to, to pursue a medical education and then to pick a specialty. And so much of the decision, I mean there were moments, but more than anything it was really an evolution. Um, and I, I, I have to be honest and say, unfortunately, and I, I know that this is changing, but unfortunately, right. at the time that I was in training, I really didn't get the benefit of many female role models, period. I mean, right. like, there certainly mm-hmm. were some. I don't want to say that there weren't any, and they were right. fantastic. But also ones that seemed to be living a life that looked like one I wanted to live. Correct. Um and, and I really did feel, I mean, that pressure of how to fully be a, a mother and a practicing surgeon, just time-wise, first sure. of all. Um, but then also, it requires, for me personally, uh, the, 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 that role requires a certain uh, compartmentalization mm-hmm. that I realized I could do, but it didn't necessarily bring out. The best in me, frankly.
1: Right. You know, I, I have to say that I remembered reading a study years ago about the negative impact on medical residents, on the, the schedule that you were put under, that the level of yeah. fatigue actually made you less effective and less healthy. And that alone, you know, that I I remembered when I heard that, it was like well, why are we doing that to our doctors? That that doesn't make sense. But it it speaks to that time, like when you looked at their lives and said, wait a minute, how do I yeah. do that part? So tell me, in addition to that, what were some of the challenges? There weren't a lot of them. There weren't a lot of examples. Yeah. What yeah. additional challenges did you see in the field?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, the, the, the issue you're speaking about, that we're finally really being forced to look at the epidemic of physician burnout. Mm -hmm. Um, And there is much being written and spoken about, about that topic. And, but also what you point to, you know, burnout is a very useful term, but it does place the onus on the person, you know, as opposed to the system. And, you know, having been through it, there were times where you're just, you're burnt really is what it is. The system burns you out. Right. Um, and so so, in terms of of those models um you know it's a, it's very it's very taxing on the body. Let's mm-hmm. start with that um you know, your back, your neck, your hands, your joints in general, frankly, for very long surgeries, your bladder uh, it's yep, very really. so it's very taxing um, and when you think about uh career longevity mm-hmm. um, because of the technical skills required. There are many surgeons that that practice for a very long time, depending on what sort of surgery they do. But right. for I was, I was planning on plastics and reconstructive surgery, which is okay. really fine tuned. And so yes. often those, those careers are, are a little shorter because you need those really, really Precision. fine skills. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, kind of getting back to that role model piece, I, I really was lucky in that I, my mom especially, but I had several women I could look up to who worked throughout their lives. They really, mm-hmm. the idea of retirement didn't really exist. Um, and, and so I was always looking at career longevity as well. Yes. Um, and so I was really fortunate. I, I knew, I, I admittedly knew very little about psychiatry. It wasn't, it, my family was not one that focused much on feelings. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I, uh, I, I kind of, I knew about, I had majored in English in college. And so I knew about the, the science of psychology and mm-hmm. psychiatry from a more, from that sense. But I, I really just, when we started learning about it in med school, I loved it. It really, it spoke to that other side of my okay. mm-hmm. background. It, it was able to bring in so many different facets of life and various fields and it's in medicine it's one of the few fields where your skill set only improves with each year you age yeah 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 (laughs) you have more experience more wisdom different experiences you you've made mistakes and learned from them um so that That was really enticing
0: to me. Well, that's awesome, Christina. I love hearing how even though you were skilled and you could do the work as a surgeon, you still followed your kind of your passion, what you would be passionate about. Mm -hmm. But let's switch gears a little bit. And you followed another passion called about six years ago, and that was when you began working with FEAST. Tell me about FEAST. I don't know about that organization. I know Andrea (laughs) does, but I don't. And I'm super curious.
2: Sure. So, um, yes, so FEAST is an acronym. It stands for Food, Education, Access, and Support Together. It is definitely a mouthful, Mm -hmm. and we we fill a lot of gaps. So um, we provide 16-week wellness programs in under-resourced communities, and we're hitting at the intersection of poverty, obesity, and diet-related illness and doing so in a supportive community to really optimize emotional health. Yeah. Um, So what that looks like is, like I said, it's a 16-week program. Uh, Pre-quarantine, people would meet for two hours a week in various community centers, schools, churches, wherever we can really find space. Mm -hmm. Um, And the first hour is all... Nutrition and food education, cooking demonstrations, learning about the food system and how things became as polarized as they are. And mm-hmm. when I specifically we, we work in communities that have been designated, quote unquote, food desert. Right. And I put the quotations there because, again, it's kind of like that term burnout in mm-hmm. that, um, you know, it's not that food doesn't exist. It's that the policies have not been in place to really support nutritious food sources in those areas and instead there's plenty of fast food options um Mm -hmm. right but not necessarily grocery stores that provide much produce Uh, there's a dearth of organic options Mm -hmm. and so um so we we want to empower people to, to know more about that too um and then also with that first hour of education, each participant is provided with a food box, um, a scholarship for for uh, organic produce, for uh, plant-based foods, so grains, beans, legumes, uh, and then they're given an opportunity to really learn how to cook with them. Yeah. But then the second hour of that two-hour session is, to some extent, the, the more meaty part, which is really a community support circle. Right. And that's where participants can bring all the stuff to the fore that's about food, but that doesn't actually concern what you put in your mouth. So it gives people an opportunity to talk about why they make certain choices, to talk about their financial stresses, their relationship stresses, mm-hmm. their their work mm-hmm. issues, um, and to really do that in a place where they're uplifted and held.
1: Well, and I've got to imagine that your training um, as a psychiatrist – that was a real interest. Like, what what is the psyche behind this community? And 100%. yeah, and uh, but also knowing that you're a sole practitioner, the leadership role of taking on as the board, what additional leadership skills, like what additional things did you have to bring to the forefront? Because in psychiatry, it's more you're listening and doing an analysis against mm-hmm. data and th- in community advocacy and leading a board, what's the other skills you're bringing out? One
2: thing in particular that is an easy translator is that, you know, in my one-on-one work with patients, it, so much of it is about behavior change, learning how to be a much more active participant. And, and I really, I really work from a place of Self empowerment mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. in my in my one on one work and that absolutely translates over. I also I have to give uh, credit to the founder of the organization, Sam Polk, who saw something in me <laughs> and elected me for the position. Um, and as far but but once in it, the the skills that I think I that I bring to the fore really are collaboration, uh, communication, being able to the potential leadership qualities in other people that they may not see in themselves right um it's been really important to me to gather a a good team around me certainly but also around the organization Mm -hmm. and to really allow everyone to feel like their voice has merit and to help them bring it to the fore um and it's it's wonderful that you know i I want to toot our horn too that we have an entirely female-led organization oh um, oh, that's awesome which is which is wonderful in its own right and it's a diverse organization so i'm really really proud to to work with them and support what we do
1: yeah and you know uh, uh, as we've spoken to our tribe here on hey boss lady i have mentioned from time to time uh are my daughter, Dana risers. Okay. Good. Uh, participation. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, you always have to hear her horn as well. <laughs> yes, please. Oh, well I, I can't cause that would be too ridiculous, but go ahead. I'd love to. Well, and, and yes, then, no,
2: I, I mean, I, I, I consider myself so fortunate to work alongside Dana. Um, she's, she is our executive director and, uh, and she's a wonderful teammate, and um, we collaborate very closely and really allow ourselves space to be who we are as leaders, too.
1: Yeah, and, you know, the question I was going to ask you about, and I, sure. I think that leads right into that with that collaboration, because you, you gave us such a beautiful description of the the true meaning of how FEAST works and your interaction mm-hmm. with it and your interest, But then there was 2020. Yeah. Can you tell us how you, Dana, the board, how that transitioned and what it looks like? Sure. Sure. Um, You know, certainly I think like any
2: nonprofit, you know, in existence, we all kind of collectively took a big, deep breath and thought, how are we going to do this? Right. Um, But really it started with, going straight to our participants going straight to our community um you know 95 percent of the people said they were just worried about getting food on their table many people who we serve work in the food industry and so many were just they woke up one day and they no longer had a job and these are people who are under tremendous financial strain as it is and so we pivoted i think really beautifully We, we moved from A solely in-person setup to completely online Mm -hmm. and that was really worrisome for us because so much of what we do is really person to person and so the virtual Mm -hmm. seemed really daunting Um, but it actually allowed us to expand our community so we were no longer constrained by geography so our groups could be more spread out we actually were able to build a larger community and then Specifically on the ground, what we did is we knew we have to get food to people. So we reached out to all of our partners, every farm, farmer's market, grocery store, and... What we've done is we've arranged for uh, weekly drop-off delivery. It's completely, you know, safe and masked and no actual person-to-person contact. Mm -hmm. And we have volunteers come down once a week. We fill boxes and we take them out to all our participants, all of our graduates, anyone who reaches out for help, we are helping them. And then in each of those boxes, we basically have transitioned to wellness program in a box and so Perfect. in the box each week is the recipe and the classes and then uh people can join virtually if they have the opportunity i mean frankly many of our participants don't even have consistent wi-fi right so wow. there are Many barriers, and we are continually adapting. But really, it looked like going virtual and taking the food to the
0: people. Well, and Christina, I really want to know. I mean, that sounds amazing. How? What are the metrics around that? Like, how do you are you finding that you're making a difference? Yeah, absolutely. Tell us more Um, about that.
2: So, so let me start with the psychiatry hat. Yeah, and you know, behavior change is what's really important to me Mm -hmm. uh and 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 a sense of of self-advocacy so one of the things that we measure is self-esteem and across the board when the the majority of people joining our program have really uh low self-esteem and and a and a poor sense of health literacy and by the end of the program that has completely shifted Wow. where people are in the moderately high to high self-esteem range and really feel like they can be an active advocate in their own health. Uh, so that's super important to me. For sure. Um, and, that, and we measure that on something called the, the Rosenberg scale. Um, and then some of the other metrics would be, I mean, certainly we see weight loss, but we are not a weight loss program. Mm-hmm. I'm not everyone who comes in needs to lose weight for their health, right? Right. So, but we do see weight loss. We see inches dropped. We see blood pressure problems subside. We see um, blood sugar issues either stabilize or we find that people can be on less medications. Their, their primary care physicians are all, by the end of the program, very pleased with the results uh, in terms of, of those metrics. And then certainly we have um We also assess consumption of fruits and vegetables, and and oftentimes it's it's pretty low in the beginning or Mm -hmm. or really limited to maybe one or two things. And by the end, people, again, have much increased literacy in options and are eating and consuming much more and drinking less sodas, for example. So there are several things that we measure, and uh, those are some of the highlights.
1: Well, you know, that's one of the things that uh, just hearing you describe something that I know there's always been this argument that when you take care of people and you provide better alternatives, it actually impacts a lot of different things. And what I you know, clearly heard you say is that once you started educating and caring for the individual and providing better alternatives, in fact, other matrix that have an uh, an impact on the society level, not just on that yeah. family's level, the cost of... Uh, medical care in a community, all of that begins to go down. And, you know, that's beautiful when you think about how it's taking care of others. But I'm wondering, how has your work changed you? Ah. Uh, oh. Um, I
2: think, you know, if I look back at Christina, let's say, entering med school, <laughs> and you know, now, Um now... Some, some, some family members might disagree with this on certain days, but I think I'm a much more patient <laughs> person of myself. I, I, I'm, I feel I, I'm much more self-aware. Um, I, I better, I'm i I'm a less reactive person. I feel like I better understand, uh, why I may feel a certain way about certain interactions and events and and, you know, I made. I was saying before, I, I definitely did not grow up in a family where, where feelings were right <laughs> emphasized or even that that was almost a four letter word in my mm-hmm, family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, so much of that is generational. I you mean know, my father was born during the Depression, my yeah. grandmother was an immigrant, you know, the the story, right? There's just yeah, no time. You bet um right. it's all about survival, right? So um you know, I I definitely feel as though the, the process and processes that I've gone through in my training and my work has really allowed me to shift that within my own family. And so in terms of, you know, that generational uh, sway, I think I'm a I know I'm a very different sort of parent uh, than I might have been well, that's- <laughs> without
0: this. That's awesome, Christina. Because I want to ask, we at Hey Boss Lady usually ask, "What is our biggest hope for the future?" But since you have children, I want to know what's your biggest hope for your children in the future.
2: I really, you know, I, I have so many hopes, <laughs> and I and I, um, you know, at 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 the core, I I really want them to feel fulfilled. I want them to feel like they can ful- fully be themselves, whoever that person turns out to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I I hope that they feel that they really have few limitations in mm-hmm. life, mm-hmm. Um, or that they understand that obstacles exist and and can figure out they have the strategies to. Move through them,
1: and do you feel hopeful that the groundwork of that the pandemic, you know, erupted, is laying the groundwork for that possibility for those hopes?
2: I I do. I mean, short answer is that I remain. I am an I I am admittedly an optimist at heart, and Great. I do yep. remain hopeful. Uh, you know, with with everything that we've gone through, not just in 2020, but the mm-hmm. the, the past four years, and there's just been so many movements that have started Mm -hmm. and so much has been laid bare so much is really just on the table and Mm -hmm. and we have to really look at as a society and that's daunting but it's also exciting Um, Mm -hmm. and so I, I am really hopeful that that the future is really bright. Great
0: well Christina thank you so much for being with us today. Sure thank you. Dr. Christina Ford is a private practice psychiatrist in Los Angeles and board chair of FEAST, a nonprofit community service organization in Los Angeles. I'm Christy Atwater. And I'm Andrea Gigline, and this is Hey Boss Lady. Remember to follow us
1: on our Facebook page, Hey Boss Lady, because just like FEAST is a community that builds and Christina does the work of building family communities through the individual, Hey Boss Lady, wants to be your community.